Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the World at War Comics podcast. Today, we have a fantastic guest for you today. But before we get into that, please remember to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that notify bell. That way, you know, whenever we are doing amazing interviews. Also, remember, this podcast is brought to you by Cien Chili's, the best hot sauce you could buy. Go to C-I-E-N-C-H-I-L-E-S.com. Use comics at checkout and you'll save 15% off your entire order. It is also brought to you by Comic Crusaders. Go to ComicCrusaders.com to get the best reviews of comics, comic movies, and even music. So check them out, ComicCrusaders.com. All right, without further ado, our guest today is Philip Kennedy Johnson. That's right, Philip Kennedy Johnson, writer extraordinaire. He is the current writer on The Incredible Hulk. He is also the writer on John Stewart War Journal, and he's doing a whole bunch of other things. He's one of the busiest gentlemen in comics, and you're going to love this interview. So without further ado, here is Philip and I. Enjoy. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics podcast. Today, our special guest is Mr. Philip Kennedy Johnson, writer extraordinaire. Hey, man, I can't tell you how excited I am to really get into all the things that you're involved in. We were just talking a second ago. I don't know how you do it, man, because you got all these different titles with completely different styles of even writing. Um, the balance of all of that, plus you just said that you do some other stuff during the day. I don't know how you do it, man. You must be uh, a writing master or something. I don't know what's going on. Not so much. I am uh, doing, <laughs> doing my best. I'm not yeah. as fast as I would like to be, sadly. So I just kind of, I just kind of struggle all the time, <laughs> just trying to get everything <laughs> done and not let anyone down. You know, there's just yeah. a lot of artists that that need like pages put in front of them to keep everybody working. So that's yeah. that pressure is actually what makes it all like. There's just no choice. You know, like the artists yeah. need. They, everyone's got to work. You know, so I just try to stay ahead of everybody. Yeah. Do you enjoy that pressure that uh, you always have to have something due? I mean, do you? Like some people need that to kind of get things going. Other people just enjoy the pressure of always being, you know, having time, to, you know, tables that they have to meet. No, there is no. Do I enjoy it? That's a, that's a resounding no. That's a resounding no. Gotcha. I, I do not. I do not enjoy the pressure, but it's. <laughs> I do. I do enjoy the um, the collaborative spirit of what comics can be, like the the collaborative nature of the medium. Yeah. Um, I kind of feed on it the way that I do. Like I'm a, my day job, I'm a musician with the army as well. Mm. That's my other, my other gig when I'm not doing this. Awesome. And I am, um, I love playing jazz, especially like in a combo, like small group jazz when it's all very improvisatory in nature. Nice. What um, instrument do you play? Trumpet. Nice. That's pretty and, cool. And um, anytime one member of the, of the combo is switched out, like if you play two gigs with all the same people, except the bassist is different or the drummer is different or pianist or whoever. Mm -hmm. Um, everything around it changes it doesn't just change that one instrument it changes yeah. everyone who reacts to that person you know it's a so, good point yeah. and it's the same way with you know change out the letter or the inker or anyone else on the book like everything else if everyone's really responsive to each other you should <laughs> notice a real a real difference in the book yeah, yeah. Um, so i love the medium i love the collaborative nature of it i love how yeah. everything changes depending on the team yeah um, every book you, you mentioned how different the, the books feel and a lot of that is due to the other to my collaborators. Yeah, because yeah. I I try to write every every book specifically for that artist. Mm. Uh, yeah. That well, the the line artist probably is most crucial as far as the the tone of the book, but mm -hmm. um, but the colorist and the letter are also have such a huge impact. So yeah. I try to keep all that in mind when I'm writing. Yeah, I mean, you really have different art forms coming together to put this together, right? It's pretty amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a big yeah. part of it. Now, can we go back? I would love to know how you got into comics. Like, did you grow up with comics your whole life? Like from an early age? I did. Yeah. yeah. I, um, when I was, when I was real little, uh-huh. um, my dad brought me these boxes of ripped up comics from like garage sales and flea markets and stuff. Yeah. And, um, but to him, they were just junk. Like they just, it was just stuff to help me learn how to read. Yeah. yeah. Um, because he said he himself had learned how to read off of comic books when he was, when he was real little. Nice. Um, but I think he kind of, I think it was disappointing how into the medium I became. Like I was just <laughs> captivated by it. I just really fell in love with it. And I kind of made my own comics. I would, I would copy a lot of the drawings that I found in there. Yeah. If I found a really awesome drawing of somebody, I would not like, I guess occasionally I would trace. Usually I would just kind of do my own version of that thing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I started making my own little cartoon strips like you'd find in the newspaper. Yeah. I'd make up my own, my own jokes and make a Garfield strip or something. <laughs> um, I just loved something about sequential storytelling just really spoke to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was how I learned to read and um, gave me a big leg up on the other kids as far from a very, very young age on reading. Yeah. And it's also also that love of reading. Yeah. Um, not just driven by comics, but but also by comics. Um sure. and then like fast forward, I um I can I had chosen music as a as a profession mm-hmm. and joined the army as a musician. But my younger brother um was also a musician and an artist. No, oh, wow. he, he went the other way. He went, ended up pursuing art as a oh. as a good career or wanted to. Mm-hmm. And he was going was to it in uh, comics though? He wanted to be a comic artist, yeah. Oh yeah, and he um he used to know how to get started. Like we both kind of grew up in Kentucky and mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, and there was, like no internet to speak of, and um no, like no, no comic store anywhere nearby, and it was just very desolate as far as exposure to comics. We just had the old stuff that we had always had, and sometimes we were able to get something new because back then comics were also in like, you know, Target or yeah. Walmart you know, or something like that. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There, it was just a little more, it not a, not a ton of titles, but there would be something available in yeah. uh, like a grocery store or whatever. Um, so he just, he wanted to get into comics as a profession and had no idea how to get started. Mm-hmm. And he, we were kind of just talking one night by this time I was already in the DC area yeah. as a physician and he was still back at home and he was just kind of shaking his fist at the stars. Like, what am I going to do? I don't, I want to do comics. Like how, I don't, I don't know how the hell to do this. Yeah. And I just really felt for him. And I was like, just dude, come in, move, move, uh, move in with me and we'll figure it out. Yeah. So he, he moved out to, to Maryland and um, we just started kind of educating ourselves and how comics were made. And like I started finding some of the, some of the trade paperbacks that were coming out then. And of course, ever since then mm-hmm. have uh, script excerpts in the back mm-hmm. or sometimes there'd be script and then you'd see thumbnails, pencils and the whole process. That's always yeah. really valuable. Mm-hmm. Those were always really valuable to see. Um, there were some really great books on how it was kind of like how to kind of yeah. books. Yeah. Um, shitty ones and great ones and everything in between. And just <laughs> kind of just consumed a lot of that stuff and just to see yeah. how it was done. Once we started, we found a great store, which has since become this behemoth of, uh, of comic retailers, third eye comics in Annapolis, oh. Maryland. Back then they were super small. They just opened. Yeah. Um, so found that store, started going to conventions everywhere, trolling artist alley and just kind of figured it out, you know? So I, I started writing stuff for him just to have, just strictly to give him a portfolio yeah. of sequential pages. Cause up till then he was just doing pinups. He would just have mm-hmm. drawings that would look good, but it's like one drawing of Wolverine looking cool or, yeah, you know, Superman flying in a, like an easy to do pose. Yeah. Or somebody's kind of standing there like flexed, like the, the Liefeld standing there thing, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Um, With the big chest, that one? Yeah, right. <laughs> so he, would, he would just do various things, but it, he wasn't doing pages of sequential images. Yeah. Um, so I would draw him, I would write him scripts just to, to illustrate and I uh, just really got the bug, man. I just love, yeah. like I said, the collaborative nature of it. I started looking for other artists to work with. Yeah. Did a couple of pitch packets and one of those got picked up. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you started off kind of drawing, you said, when did that, like that writing ability kind of trigger in you? Was that also at a younger age where you started writing stories or did that come later? Um, I was writing from the beginning. Yeah. But um, I guess I identified more as an artist when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I wasn't, I was, I was good for a kid. I, yeah. I didn't put in the kind of work. I mean, just the, the fire that mm -hmm. just consumes artists never really took hold of me the same way. I was content to be pretty good and to yeah. make stuff that, you know, I would draw something and it would look pretty good. And I was, yeah. I was, I was content with that. I didn't really push myself to ever really get skilled. Mm -hmm. um, I was content to just kind of copy the stuff that I liked out of books and do my own versions. And, you know, got, I got some, I had some talent, but nothing special. Yeah. Um, writing is something like in school later on, I found that I did have a, a talent for writing that mm -hmm. uh, was a little more clear. Yeah. Um, but again, I never really, I never really considered it as a career. I, I'd already found music and I was very taken with that. And that, that kind of became my career path. Mm -hmm. um, I did always really enjoy writing. Um, yeah but never really thought about it as a job until, until I started doing comics. And I, even then I was just kind of doing it because I wanted a creative outlet. I wasn't thinking like they can pay me for this. I wasn't thinking about it as a, as a career. Right. Yeah. Just, I just loved it, man. It was yeah. just kind of the same thing that drew me to music then started. I, I kind of got the same sort of fire Yeah. Um, for writing um, and not just writing prose, but like writing, being a part of a dynamic creative team, you know, yeah, yeah. just really consume me in a way that that writing prose did not have the same, did not inspire the same excitement in me, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Now, growing up, were there certain titles that were your favorite in comics? And have you been able to write some of those titles as an adult? Yeah. I, what is that like? I mean, that's got to be a pretty incredible feeling. Yeah, man. I, I mean, honestly, I'm having a, an unbelievable time on Hulk right now. Yeah. Um, and I've, and, and Green Lantern too. Like I've, I've really discovered this love of, of Jon Stewart that yeah. I'm never going to let go of. At the time though, when I was a kid, my, my love of comics came from a pretty, pretty meager stack of books compared to a lot of Mm -hmm. Like people that I know now who've been collecting yeah. since they were little kids and have these, these just long boxes out the ass of all this amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, I had the equivalent of a, like, I had four stacks of books, like just like literally stacked up with no bags or boards or anything. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> um, probably about, about that high. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, a, maybe a couple feet of comics for though. maybe not, not even that tall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not even that tall. It was like more like foot, foot and a half four stacks like that. And that was all I had um, until much later in life. Yeah. So not really that many. And it all kind of made, it was, um, it amounted to um, like a stack of cartoony stuff, like things that would later become ducktails. Like, yeah. Um, like, uh, like star, um, like golden key, um, mm. Gladstone. What was another one of those? Like Heathcliff or something like that. Calvin and Hobbes. I had a couple of Heathcliff. Mostly it was like, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Like uh, Scrooge McDuck, Beagle Boys, that kind of stuff. The things yeah. that, uh, let's see, Baby Huey, Richie Rich. Richie Rich, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, those kind of things. But then there was also um, had a lot, probably more DC than anything. I had a good bit mm. of DC, and that was primarily Batman and Superman stuff. Yeah, um, it was all like we had a a lot of Batman, a lot of Brave and the Bold, uh, World's Finest, yeah, um, Batman family books, Superman family books. Um, I remember those in like the eighty page, hundred page giants. So I had like a kind of like an anthology. I had some of yeah. those. Um, Marvel ended up being a lot of Spider-Man team-ups for the most yeah. part. We had like the, the Marvel team-up series, mm-hmm. um, a fair bit of Spider-Man on his own. And then just, just a couple random things, like a couple of cat books, a couple of Daredevil, a couple yeah. of whatever, but most of it was Spidey. Um, yeah. and through those team-ups, I kind of found, um, I discovered a lot of the Marvel roster through those team-ups Yeah, <laughs> because he was constantly, it was going through a revolving door of a b c list characters that right. he would up with or fight um that's where i kind of met everybody in, in the marvel world but yeah it's i mean probably the biggest impression on me as a little kid though was batman and superman like yeah. those both those guys both represented really uh, really important power fantasies for me um yeah. and i just had plus i just those are the books i had the most of yeah uh, so yeah. Be, i've since then i've gotten to write batman here and there yeah. And that's been, that's been really awesome. <laughs> and of course, having written action for like three years now. Yeah, you have a lot of action under your belt. An yeah. Unbelievable honor to get yeah. to do that. Something about writing Superman just yeah. feels important. And like there's there's a responsibility to it that mm-hmm. I will never take for granted. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like you're making a statement on what humanity should be, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's I mean, that's top of the food chain when it comes to DC, right? And it's part of the Trinity. You've been able to do two yeah. of the three. You just need a get Tom King out of the way once he's done yeah, with right. run to be able to do one. Yeah, well, I did write it. I did get one Wonder Woman short. Which is oh, really did you? <laughs> I did. Yeah. So I've written them <laughs> all briefly. Awesome. Yeah. It was fun, man. That was for, what was that? That was a tie in for Lazarus planet. Oh, I, got to, I got to write a story for, uh, for Wonder Woman on Themyscira when uh, cool. the dead, like the, all the dead soldiers who, <laughs> who died, who've died on the shores of Themyscira, like rise yeah. from the dead. And there's this really awesome fight. That's awesome, man. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, getting to write Superman has been just the honor of a lifetime. I mean, yeah. it's there's this philosophical weight to it that I don't take for granted. Yeah, absolutely. When you were growing up and you were creating your own characters and designing like stories for those characters, have you did you create anything that one day you would like to do? Maybe like a self published or work for someone else to be able to bring some of those to life, or was it not that? in depth as far as um you know the production of whatever you were creating at that time i'm sorry man i lost you for just a second can you say that one more time yeah yeah so i've met a lot of creators and along you know um when they were little they would create like their own characters and their own superheroes yeah and then later in life as they got in the comic books they've had the opportunity to maybe self-publish um a few issues of that character with their own stories have you ever like consider taking some of those characters and maybe self-publishing one day or no? I've, um, I've done some creator owned and I am actually doing a creator owned right now. I don't have anything that I made up as a kid that I would want to revisit. Yeah. Um, Because back then um, comics were superheroes. That's that's, that's what comics, that was the whole point of comics. Exactly. (laughs) I did have some really old shit that was like, uh, you know, Western stuff or a pirate. I, I had some classics illustrated. Oh wow! Um, I had some some Western things. Um, let's see, what were some of those? A couple Lone Ranger. I had a couple of um, 
I want to say I had like a Gene Autry comic or something. <laughs> Probably, yeah, I could see yeah, that. Like a, a couple of the other, like just a couple Singing of cowboys, something like that. Yeah, right. A couple of couple of uh, random characters I don't remember anymore. Yeah, but for the most part, comics were about superheroes. Yeah. Um. So the stuff that I ha- would have invented back then would have been mm-hmm. along those lines, and nothing. I don't. I mean, I don't even remember any of them now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Mostly, I was just drawing the things I like, which were primarily Superman, Batman, um, Spider Man, Cap. Yeah. Uh, the, the cartoony stuff i did like garfield for some reason i had i really liked the there's something some kind of something about the vibe of the garfield strips yeah um and calvin and Hobbes were, were really fun and sometimes i would kind of i would either copy one or just do my own mm-hmm. own version of that yeah my my, my best my uh, most prominent teacher has always been mimicry just yeah. just mimicking the stuff that i admired yeah good way to learn like, yeah, and kind of finding my own voice through that, just yeah, just kind yeah. of unapologetically copying stuff at first, and then kind of letting it letting it go where it wants to go. Yeah. Um. Now, when you you know you're working for DC, you do some stuff for Marvel as well. When you are given a title, um, obviously because you've been you've enjoyed comics so long, for the most part, you probably have an idea of who that character is. But is there a process of studying um, about those characters before you jump in, and what does that look like for you? Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. Especially when it's a character I don't know that well. I yeah. So my uh my first creator owned was a book called Last Sons of America at Boom mm-hmm. Studios. And that got noticed at DC by the Justice League editor at the oh, time. Wow. It was Brian Cunningham. And he mm-hmm. reached out. He's like, Hey, would you want to do something for us? I was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so that must have been a fun call to get. Yeah, it was awesome. And so yeah. we so we met. I was actually going to be in LA. So I was like, he's like, let's get lunch. So we got lunch, and he was like, uh, okay, here are the books that I that I edit right now. Yeah. And I don't remember all of them that he said. So he was the Justice League guy, with the exception of the Metropolis and Gotham stuff. So basically, yeah. he was like, okay, I do, I do Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman. There's some other stuff that was not Justice League. So like, um, Hellblazer. Um. Green Lantern Corps, maybe or something yeah. else. He was like, "What do you? Th- like, what would you be drawn to?" And I was like, "Hellblazer all day." <laughs> like, I've I've read. I know all there is to know about Hellblazer. Yeah. And he said, "Well, actually, what I need is an Aquaman one shot." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That's what I meant. I, I love Aquaman. Let's do it." I was like, "I was, you know, I'm not going to say no, but I didn't know sure. shit about Aquaman." <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I knew him from the Super Friends, and that was straight yeah. up it. Yeah. So I um. So I had to do this big deep dive on Aquaman. And honestly, I had the same exact story back when I was at Boom. Boom asked me if I wanted to do an Adventure Time short, and I'd never seen Adventure Time. Yeah. But I told him I loved it. <laughs> and then I um I went and I just got on Hulu and just spent six hours just mainlining Adventure Time. That was a weird couple of days. <laughs> um, but um, but I legit did love to I had learned to love that show. I mean, there's yeah. there's some real, there's real lore to that show. It looks super weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, you just turn the show on and it's like, it's like raining knives for no reason. And there's like a little <laughs> game console talking to you and everything. is just like, what the fuck is happening? What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. It was super weird, but I, yeah. the more I watched, the more I started to find real lore underneath, yeah. the, underneath the surrealism of it. Yeah. So I just, yeah, you just kind of immerse yourself in it and you kind of find where the strong through lines are. You find, mm-hmm. um, the things that make it interesting to you, you find yeah. what, you know, the things that you're curious about or that you would want to blow out. And what I found in the Aquaman stuff is that I wanted to see a whole lot more of Atlantis. Atlantis never felt real to me in those books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I don't want to see, like when you see Atlantis, I don't want to see super vague little towers, you know, filled with white dudes in armor speaking English. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, the, even the armor looks vague. There's no like, there's no architecture. There's no fashion. There's no rhyme or reason to the names. You can't tell yeah. where the, like where the names come from. Yeah. Um, the weapons are all, everything's just kind of vague. Mm-hmm. Not not always. Sometimes yeah. they're. I'm not. I'm not saying that every Aquaman story is weak. I'm at all. Some of them are yeah. great, actually. Right. Um, but I found that the thing that really uh, lit a fire into my ass for Aquaman was I wanted to see more of the like the world building of Atlantis, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see more of the culture of the Atlanteans. And mm-hmm. I, I love the I love the parallels between Aquaman and the King Arthur myths. I mean, he's you know just the idea. His name is Arthur. And he yeah. is there, but he's also he you know in the original legends he was this pauper that was that was you know raised up. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I wanted to see stuff like that. I wanted a chance to world build. So um, that was kind of my way in, just yeah. to, to try to flesh out more of Atlantean culture. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then when did Marvel give a call to you? How did you um, get involved with Marvel when you started with DC, and how does that work? They so Brian Cunningham read last sons of america mm-hmm. and my my next creator on at boom that first creator on to boom went really well it was really yeah. fun i had a great relationship with the uh with the editor and so he reached out i was like let's do something else what do you want to do next and i i talked about warlords of appalachia which was another story i wanted to do um it's a world set in a, a world in which um let's see uh it's set after the second American Civil War and Kentucky's become an occupied nation within U.S. borders. Mm-hmm. So we kind of see Kentucky as the Afghanistan of the American South, and this guy accidentally sparks a revolution, becomes the first feudal warlord of the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was really fun, and um, so I did that book. Yeah, and that was noticed by um, uh, Ricky Purden, the kind of the at the time he was kind of the guy who discovered talent, basically. Okay. And he, and he's kind of from that area. He knows oh. he knows Appalachia a little bit. So he um he read it and really liked it and just kind of started throwing it at different editors, putting it on their desks and got noticed. So then I got a call from Nick Lowe to um to do um they also found out that I was um active duty army mm-hmm. and they were doing these 80th anniversary issues, kind of celebrating old books mm-hmm. that weren't around anymore. Yeah. Like House of Secrets or whatever. And one of them was War as Hell. Oh. And and they had Howard Shaken do a 10-pager in there, and they had me do a 10-pager. Wow. And um, they were totally different. Howard had this story that he wanted – it's like basically about the about the, the death of Glenn Miller. during. It was all about kind of big band music. And yeah. Shaken's got this great love of and knowledge of music and, and musical theater and everything. So he was – he wanted to tell a story about – about Miller and uh, my story was very different. Mine was, um, it told, it made, um, it was like, it talked about PTSD, but it it describes PTSD as like a, a mythical African spirit that Mm. uh, it's the origin of where war comes from. Oh, wow. And it's it's like it become over the, over the generations and the centuries and the millennia becomes like this infection that passes through spilled blood. It's like the supernatural disease. Wow. That sounds awesome. This thing, the first hunter of men, you know, so that's what it becomes PTSD. That's what we all, so when, you know, you, you experience something super violent, fucked up, 
mm-hmm. somebody else's blood gets on you and that's how yeah. that comes to you so now you're fucked up too and you do something yeah. to someone else and that's how it survives amazing what and a now that story man that's awesome that story is called war devil war and devil war devil is about to appear as a an actual creature in incredible hulk now no way that's dope yeah. That's yeah, dude, it's awesome. gonna be it's gonna be really cool. I'm excited. Nick's drawing the shit out of it. <laughs> so That's I can't so wait to cool, show Now, you know, as you're writing like the Incredible Hulk or even Green Lantern, um, obviously there's editors and whatnot, but man, it sounds like especially with uh what you're doing with the Incredible Hulk, man, it seems like you have free reign to kind of just do your thing, right? Pretty much, they've been. Yeah, well, awesome. There, there are editors that still yeah. kind of they're still minding the shop, but sure, they, sure. But, but they've given me a lot of creative freedom. I am. Um, yeah. I mean, you've you've done enough to where you've probably earned that, right? But but still, man, because this is so different from some of the Hulks that we've had lately, and it's very yeah. refreshing to be quite honest. I well, like. Thank it. you, man. Yeah, I appreciate I that it. a lot. I love it. I mean, Al Ewing kind of kind of peed in the pool like it's like it's it's so that that book was so good man yeah immortal hulk was so good yeah um <laughs> so what do you do after that yeah yeah. you know yeah. like donnie at donnie was absolutely right to do a heel turn yeah yeah you yeah know, you have to after something like that right yeah yeah he did a completely different book as he should yep. have you know? mm-hmm. and, it, and it was a very donnie book you know it was like super bombastic big crazy visuals yeah, yeah. Um, just like a fun kind of just a celebratory romp in yeah. what like Marvel superhero fights should be, you know, but it's yeah. very, very bulky, very violent. Just kind of a fun romp. But you know, pe- uh, understandably people miss immortal because it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me too, like when they gave me the call to do that book, my um <laughs> my instincts were to just do more immortal. <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah. that was the biggest, that was the biggest challenge. I was like, how do I do this and not just copy? Yeah. the album because it was perfect you know that's i really Agreed. i love i have a taste for horror anyway i i just yeah. love her books but hulk as a horror story just makes all the sense that's yeah, what it was sure. supposed to be you know for sure he tie he goes back alvary cleverly tied it into the original like concept of what what hulk was he goes back to the thing where he comes out at night and everything yeah <laughs> that's awesome man yeah i but i decided after after a lot of thought contemplation and figuring out what i would do um, my mind kind of went to to Hellboy. And oh, yeah. I, I love Mignola stuff. I love Del Toro films. I love, yeah. I, I thought in, instead of Cronenberg Hulk, which is kind of what Al's book was, let's do Del Toro Hulk. Let's do Mignola Hulk, where it's instead of being a thing that takes place in, you know, dark locked laboratories, it's something that yeah. takes place in like the, in the, in the, you know, haunted riverbeds and, yeah. you know, ghost towns in, in Appalachia and Potter's <laughs> Fields and more of a supernatural folk horror kind of take. For sure. For sure. So that's where that, I started. Especially out of issue four, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're letting me do this thing at the end of, uh, at the end of the conclusion of all the arcs. I'm doing this thing in the back called the Remembrances of Eldest. Yeah. I got to talk about the, um, the monsters that are in the issue. Um. And so we're kind of adding to the to the pantheon. Add, we're adding to the well, to the bestiary, I should say, adding to the Marvel bestiary of like all the the monstrous side of the Marvel U. We get to add some more monsters to that to that roster, which is really That's exciting. sweet, man. That's exciting, for sure. I mean, especially something that you know, fifty years from now could still be used and and exactly. has your prints on it, man. That's so cool. 
Yeah, I would love to see War Devil get used again. I'd love to see. There's another creature I'm about to introduce that I think is going to have legs as well. Nice. I, uh, I mean, I, I made up Sister Sadie and Brother Deep very specifically for issues two and three. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. But, I, but that's not to say they can't come back. I mean, I'd love yeah. to see them again too. But I these ones that are coming up soon, yeah. um, I think could very easily have legs beyond the series. Yeah, that's awesome. Then we get into, uh, if we can, a little bit of Mr. John Stewart. So I'm a big Green Lantern fan. I love Green Lantern. And it's been so dry the last couple of years. And we hear rumblings of things about to happen and then nothing happened. And even I, I reached out to Myron and to Phil and we talked once in a while. And we're just like, what's happening with Green Lantern? Now there's so much news about Green Lantern. We're just beside ourselves, right? So there's two titles. Um, you know, um, we hear of a, a Max series coming out, which will be Hal and John working together. Like, this is crazy, right? And then we don't even know what Justice League down the road, which there should have been a Green Lantern in the, the last run, and there wasn't. But, man, there's, like, more than enough Green Lantern going around that we're all extremely excited. So then we get into Jon Stewart, and I actually picked up all five issues of issue one just because all the – well, this one is the dog tag one, so it still has a cover on it. But, mm -hmm. man, they're absolutely incredible. So we get into Jon Stewart, <clears throat> and – uh you did the three-part series that was in the first three issues of Hal, right? Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, and you're starting to see John, you know, he's sitting out in the front with his mom. His mom knows he misses everything that was taking place with the Green Lantern. You know, he does. And then in, in this issue, you start to see he's like looking back on some of the things that he's accomplished as a Green Lantern. And there's a yearning. And then at the end of it, we don't want to give anything away because people might not have read it, but um, something takes place and those powers come forth. I mean, how I don't know if you're as excited as I am about Jon Stewart, but I, I love where this is going. And Jon Stewart plays such an important role amongst all the Green Lanterns. Um, do you is it relatable because of the military background? Is there anything that you could relate to to Jon Stewart that you want to bring in from your past experience? Or are you just taking canon and running with it and going in the direction that you want to go with the character? Um, it's both, really. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um... I yeah you have, you got to respect the canon right yeah. and you've already established like the Jeff Thorne run yeah uh, took some big swings and made some real changes to Jeff's uh, excuse me to uh, to John's yeah. um, uh, status quo yeah that you know would have been disrespectful to just like just change or ignore yeah just ignore it right I mean I'll be honest yeah. as a Green Lantern fan I felt like it went too far and now he's <laughs> he's got such an ability that's apart from the rest but you still have to respect it because it's been done. And like, to your point, it would be disrespectful just to wipe that out. So I, I understand. Yeah. You got to kind of carry on from there. Yeah. So there was a similar, well, it's not similar actually, but in, on the, in action comics, there was a thing with, um, you know, the, the John Kent thing where he had been aged up. And when I jumped on the book, everyone was like high five and like, yes, now he can just undo all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's not really how you should do it you know like yeah. you can't just wave a magic wand and be like now we're going to go back to two years ago because then it's disrespectful to the previous art team but it's also disrespectful to the to the character to the yeah. readers who've been following along just to kind of pretend like none of that happened yeah, understood it's just you can't just i don't know man it just makes it makes everything feel so like cheap and pointless if you yeah. can just if you can just kind of go poof and just make it all go away yeah. so um Instead, we I kind of on that book, I kind of played the long game to get us back to a place where we've got Superman as a father to a young kid again. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, but John had his own story to tell and that mm-hmm. was already underway. Yeah. Um, so, sure. so now once again, we got Superman and Lois as parents, yeah. but it's not, there is a kid that is very much like John in his way. Um, but it's different, you know, like it's, yeah. it is a little bit different, but the vibe is, is what we wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. So now with this, once again, I am, um, I'm sure there are some like comics is about, about the, the illusion of change, right? Like it's, it's, uh, an issue, comes out, yeah. an, an issue comes out and it feels like, oh my God, this is the one, this is the issue where everything changes. And like this guy's dead or he's got a different color ring now or yeah. whatever happens. Um, And not to say that it's never the case, but yeah. it does eventually have to find its way back because it's this long story that never ends. Right. The, like the arc for that character has to be a very different kind of shape than you would see in like a movie. That's like two right. hours. Boom. Here's what happens. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, you're never going to kill Sinestro forever. Joker's never going to get killed forever. Let's exactly. lose it. They're all going to be around forever. It's all part of it. You know? Yeah. Um, that said though, um, I do acknowledge that there are, there are parts of the canon, parts of John Stewart's canon that are currently missing that I'm going to try to take kind of a, kind of an action yeah. comic trajectory, like eventually get, get things familiar yeah but in inorganic ways that make sense and keep everything really exciting and not just we're not erasing anything you know yeah yeah that's a good point and then you know speaking of what you're going to do with john stewart how far out are you working so that way you could break it down by issue and make sure that you do reach that point like how far out do you have to work on a series like this or any series Um, that matter i know what we're going to do for 12 issues Okay, so are you usually twelve ahead on everything you do then? No. <laughs> oh no. Okay. I, it it varies a lot actually. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean I have twelve scripts written yet. I have um, yeah. I have like a um, I have an arc, um, very much in mind for the first. Mm-hmm. I have like an arc, um, kind of vaguely shaped out, and then I've got another arc that is more vaguely shaped out. I know where it's mm-hmm. going to end up. Basically, like if the um, I try to approach writing, at least comics writing, like an ice sculpture, kind of, um, you know, if they were to drop off a gigantic block of ice, the size of a truck in your front on your you know driveway. Yeah. And you just start like, you know, scalpeling it down to get, to make it the shape you want. It would take forever and it, yeah. you just never get there. So right. chainsaw first. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I've, I've got two arcs uh, chainsawed up. And, um, and I've, I'm usually about, you know, I've got the chisel out about two issues ahead <laughs> and then I'm, I'm scalping like about one issue ahead. Right. Nice, nice, nice. That's pretty cool. Is there something, well, I, I, I want to be careful cause I know you can't speak about the future, but one of the popular, um, Green Lantern, um, comics was the Green Lantern corpse. And, uh, as you know, right a lot of them have had their rings removed. They're kind of on earth right now, unless they were put somewhere else in the universe. Um, do you see something like that happening in the future where maybe you and Jeremy come together to put some of those type of stories together or no? I shouldn't talk about it. I'm sorry. Okay. Very good. We, yeah. we do. We do have plans. Okay. Um, that's all I need to know. That's good enough. I, yeah. I will say that's... Jeremy, Jeremy and I are, are good friends. Like yeah. we, act, we actually, <laughs> It was him I was talking to on the phone right before this. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I jumped on like one minute late because I was on a call. That's okay. uh, Jeremy, Jeremy and I were talking. Um, yeah, yeah. We talk a lot. He's a great dude. 
Um, he is a great dude. Like we're going to have a proper catch up, like a work catch up at New York Comic Con. Nice. Um, so yeah, it would be, it would be a shame not to, not to do some kind of crossover, some kind of collaboration together. So I'm, I'm sure you can look forward to something like that. No, that's, that's, that satisfies that desire very much. So I appreciate that. I yeah, actually had Jeremy on about a week ago. Oh, and, great. Uh, it was, all, he is a great guy. Good family guy. I like his videos with his family and stuff. And I've seen yeah. you with your family too, um, right behind where all those books are at. So I know you've done yeah. videos like that, which has been pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. 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 Well, this is so awesome, man. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate um, your, your time, Philip. I mean, this has been so exciting for me as a big fan of everything you do. Um, I'm super excited that you were able to come on. I cannot wait to see where we're going with Incredible Hulk. I, I, he's probably him and Spider-Man are my two favorites for Marvel. Oh, and cool, uh, I'm really loving the direction that you're going. I love that man thing was brought back in. Yeah, um, it was pretty cool, man. That was that was awesome. And then man, I'm glad you liked that. You yeah. know, the um, it's funny, like the in this particular story, man thing was just kind of like the. He was kind of like the way into the story. And I, I did not anticipate all the man thing love. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I And honestly, the one regret I had from issue five, the one that's about to come out, is like, man, I wish there was more. Like when the whole thing was done and turned in, I was like, I wish there was more man thing in it. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, I am determined to, to use him again. Yeah. <laughs> like I, you almost have kinda, to now, right? Because everyone's just like, oh, my God, I forgot about man thing. Yeah, I know. I, well, see, I love him, too. Like yeah. I, I think Man Thing's awesome. I and Swamp Thing, honestly, as well at DC. Like I know they're not, they're not the same thing, but there are things about both that I love. Yeah. And uh, now that I've seen that, like my my one regret of this series so far is I wish I'd had more Man Thing in these two issues. So I'm gonna because of that, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pay it off. I'll bring him back. Yeah, yeah. I think the fans want that for sure, man. It's, it was so refreshing to see him. Um, and then the whole storyline was pretty awesome, and it ends in a way where you're like, what the hell. So I can't wait yeah. to read uh, issue five for sure. Good um, man. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. I'll say this too. Um, for the Hulk fans that are watching, get issue six. Like Ooh, issue, really? issue, yeah, issue five is is the one about to come out. Yeah, um, it's with Travel Foreman as the as the conclusion of the Man Thing and the Swamp Witch story. Mm -hmm. um, and then issues six through eight are a story with the uh, World War II era Ghost Rider, like a new. <laughs> there's a, a, a new ghostwriter yeah and the war devil nice and issue six has the gnarliest hulk transformation that has ever been in a comic book full stop really yeah <laughs> nick is just chills, doing, man nick is doing unbelievable work it, I oh, it's incredible dude, absolutely incredible i routinely he's getting better like every yeah I, I routinely get pages from nick that look like covers interior pages like constantly <laughs> It's just insane how good he is. Yeah. So, well, you yeah. know, since you bring that up, I have another question. If that's okay, that sure. that dance that takes place between a writer and an artist, like, how would you explain that? Because the art has to tell a large portion of the story too, because of the limitations of the panels to be able to oh. to write it out, right? So, yeah, how important completely. is that? And and how closely are you working with an artist, no matter what um, you're writing? Um. Lately, well, it's super important to to interact as closely as you can with your artist. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it gets hard because everyone's doing like writers are typically doing more than one book at once and everything. Everybody's juggling everything. It's <laughs> probably the biggest surprise I've uh, I was faced with getting into the comics industry is how 
flying by the seat of the pants. Everything is like every, <laughs> every book, every single book on the shelf yeah. is one migraine away from not existing. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just, really? just, yeah. Everyone's just frantically getting to the next print date or yeah. everyone's just doing their best that they can under like a gun to the head deadline all the time, wow. all the time. Wow. So everyone's doing their best. Sometimes there are stories that would be different if everyone had twice as much time, you know, I know, yeah. but everyone's just got to get the book out. And so it's, it's just this, everyone is just putting every bit of energy they have into the book to make it as good as it can possibly be on a very yeah. limited schedule. Yeah. Um, wow. It's just, I could not, I cannot speak more highly of the work ethic I see of everyone I've ever worked with in comics. It's just yeah. nuts how hard they work. Yeah. Um, especially awesome. for something that doesn't, you know, compared to something like to our counterparts in film or something. Yeah. Um, like the, it's not like we're making millions, but yeah. man, they're, but they're working like they do. I mean, yeah. it's, it's That's amazing. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, anyway, that aside, sorry, I got, off, I got a little bit off track there. Um, That's okay. Yeah. That, that balance and that dance between the writer and the, the artist, how important yeah. is that? I ideally you want to be talking to your artist a lot. I, I interact with Nick a lot. We text every couple of days. We primarily yeah. interact via text. Mm -hmm. Um, he'll send me something he's working on or ask a question or I'll ask him a question or, um, he'll just send me something he just finished. that looks incredible. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, we talk a lot. It's like, he'll, he'll give me a little, I say, um, we'll talk about the next issue. He'd be like, you're going to give me a two page, two page splash with ghost Rider <laughs> Hulk clashing. Right. I'm like, I guess I am. Let's get yes, this. You done. are now. <laughs> yeah. I, I just tend to give him what he wants. Cause he, I'm writing everything. Like every page is like a love letter to Nick. Like I just, I want to set him up. Yeah, I'm telling him awesome. a story that he can tell you a story, you know, yeah. like I, it's important as a writer to have that humility, to understand that the art is what the whole book hinges on. Yeah. I mean, the art just makes or break every book. Yeah. So I, um, I definitely I give it everything I can to make mm -hmm. sure that my writing is worthy of that artist. Yeah. But the artist is the magician. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I have, God, I have so much respect for Nick. Um, every, every relationship though is different. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing a creator owned right now. And uh, on that book, I can't say who the, the uh, collaborator is, but he, um, that artist loves to get just as much information on the page as possible. Yeah. And um, not that, not that he wants a super like, um, panel crammed page, but he wants right. all the little detail things on the page are what matters to him. Like he doesn't want to do a a big open prairie landscape with no detail. He wants right. he wants something that he how do you describe it? He described it as making the big things small is what he said. Mm. He wants mm. to see he wants detail things that that make things look real and lived in and personal. Oh wow. And um yeah. So I just, he has very specific things that he likes in scripts. And so that's what I give him, you know, and other, there are other artists that prefer things to be much more vague. Mm -hmm. They like yeah. to add those things themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, with Nick, um, man, I, with Nick, I, um, honestly, I haven't needed to adjust very much. He just, he's, he, he likes what I give him, but he, but we have such a good rapport Yeah, yeah. that sometimes he'll just ask me for stuff yeah. and I'll just, give it to him. Sometimes he'll, he'll give me notes too. Notes do yeah. not go one way just because my role as the writer comes first does not mean that the art team works for me. Like we're all yeah. collaborators. Sure. Yeah. So even though like when my script is written, 
My job mm-hmm. is not done yet. Like it goes yeah. to them, they draw it. I see thumbnails, like very basic versions of those things. Yeah. And then we talk more about the collaboration. And very often I will rewrite my stuff based on those thumbnails. Like, actually, I kind of screwed you on this page. It's too full. Yeah. Or here's something I think I should have done differently. Or I'll use their thumbnails to inform what I should have done differently. Yeah. So I'll make I'll make adjustments and give them another one. And then they'll send me thumbnails again and be like, that's it. And then then they'll do the detailed pencils. Mm-hmm. Um and then we'll talk with the colorist or, you know, whatever. Yeah. That comment that you made about everyone's kind of flying off the seat of their pants to make deadlines. Do you think that hinders the comic book industry from being able to have more books that are telling better stories? Or do you think that's just the nature of it and the stories wouldn't change that much because the story is the story? Sorry, say that one more time. Yeah. You you said that, you know, everyone's flying off the seat of their pants everyone would like a little bit more time to be able to tell a better story or maybe a more complete story. Do you think that's hindering the comic book industry right now? Cause not everybody has that ability to tell a great story in a short amount of time. Everyone has different levels of experience, all that good stuff. So does that hurt the comic books? Um, well, I, I didn't mean it to come across as like, well, you know, this is why the books are not good. Like, no, no, no. I, and I don't mean that too. I, I uh, maybe yeah. I phrased that wrong myself, but I mean, like if you're a newer writer, does that hurt that new writer and cause that new writer not to be able to bring forth the best story they could because they haven't had that time? Maybe a, a more seasoned writer has, therefore it does hinder the book. Um, no, I think, well, there are a lot of creator owned books and yeah. that, actually, you know what, even some of the, uh, even some of the big two like mm-hmm. corporate type stuff, yeah. some of those have been some of the, we got a, a head start on a lot of those books way in advance. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are things, there are crunches that happen. Yeah, yeah, but but there are other books that um, that we start earlier on. If, if we have an like a rock star artist, well, for example, Nick Klein, like Nick yeah. is turning in pages that look. I mean, there's never been a time when anyone could do the the level of detail that Nick is doing and do that page a day, kind of what comic industry standard. Yeah, like there there was a time in which you know, it was kind of the goal that everyone needed to meet was you know about a page a day you could like a good penciler could could uh pencil a page a day that's not taking into account the level of detail that some of these people are doing yeah like the some of these pages that they're, that they're turning in is just unbelievably good and you can't expect to see quality like that at a page a day yeah so usually when possible um we'll give those artists much more runway so that yeah. those books can be as amazing as they turn out yeah so when you see stories like you know all-star Superman with Frank quietly's art. That's yeah. not, a, that's not page a day work. Yeah. <laughs> no, those, that, that stuff gets done much more slowly and, and uh, you know, meticulously. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, when I'm talking about people working, like I'll, I just, when I said that, what I was talking about was people's work ethic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand um, it. That, and maybe I took it the wrong true. way. I apologize. That's, I don't want to put you in a weird spot. Where no, no, no. I got shit on the whole industry. That's not what I meant, but I think the comic, I'm, I am perpetually yeah. impressed with the industry. I just can't awesome. believe how hard. Every, I mean, yeah, I was just trying to say how hard everyone works. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable how hard everyone works. Uh, very often at great personal expense. Yeah, there are exactly. people who just work around the clock at the at the cost of their own health. Yeah, um, well, we see they, it all the time. We yeah, hear stories, just love, we read stories. They just yeah. love the industry and they love the 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 medium. You know, they love the yeah. just the the work. Yeah, I mean. Fans like us, right? Their sacrifices, why we still have what we have for sure. 
Yeah. So there has to be great respect on, on those folks that have given that. And it's sad that they have given that. And I wish you could do the same quality work and still get everything done and not have to give so much because no industry, whether it's comics or the food industry, like I'm part of, which is also very, you know, fly at the seat of your pants. Time sensitive, right? Yeah, very time sensitive. And of course they want all the data to make the decision. And, you know, I need it by this afternoon. You're like, <laughs> what the hell? You know, we're all in different time zones. So yeah, it happens in every industry. So, yeah. yeah. No, there's any, any kind of uh, like serial publishing, something where like there's a newspaper coming out every day or yeah. a magazine every month or some of those things. Like there's this crazy yeah. just rush that never ends. Yeah. So yeah, I just have the highest respect. Yeah. For for everyone I work with in comics, it's pretty amazing what they can what they can what they can get done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Philip, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you jumping on. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, super big fan. Hope we could do this again one day. Um, especially as we get into some of the other arcs, I would love to like dig more into some of those arcs once we're past issue one. Yeah. I certainly, well, I certainly want people to pick it up. So I didn't want to go into too much detail because, uh, you know, it's only been a week and I think people are still reading the comics. I know I have stacks from my Wednesday that it takes me a couple of weeks to get through them all because of everything else that I'm doing in life with work. Well, and thanks for picking them up, man. I appreciate your, your support. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm super excited as a Green Lantern man, just to have a comic of Green thanks, Lantern. Brother. So I appreciate yeah. that. Thanks to your, thanks to your viewers too. I really appreciate yeah. you guys picking up the books. We absolutely. really are working really hard for you. I, the work, I could not be more proud of all the the creative teams I'm working with. I think the stuff, the action comics issue that just came out, Action 1057, might yeah. be my favorite issue that we've done so far. Nice. I am so proud of it. We get to see Clark Kent as a reporter. Yeah. Like, so, up till now, I've been doing all this gigantic, bombastic, epic stuff, mostly in space, which I yeah. loved. I love seeing like the super part of Superman. Yeah. But it was also, and we still get that in this issue. We get this really awesome fight at the end. Um, but we also see him taking the time to just have lunch with a guy that he put away years ago, like an ex-con yeah. that, that now they're friends. They just like hang out. That's cool. And, man. Like this really quiet moment. It's kind of like my, my answer to the Grant Morrison jumper scene from, from all-star. Yeah. Um, you see um, like kind of these Christopher Reeve esque like reporter moments that are really fun. And Rafa Sandoval and Matt Herms, man, are just, <laughs> I just can't believe how good those guys are. And same thing with, with Nick and Matt Wilson on Hulk and uh, Montos is crushing on a green lantern. Montos is going to be a star, man. He's, yeah. he's doing such great work on, on green lantern. And I just, I see so much of the, he just looks like the green lantern I see in my mind. You know, you yeah. asked about my military background and I, I do, you know, I know a lot of military people and I know what it's like when people go from that crazy environment where everything's ramped up to 11 all the time. Yeah. And then they come back and they have to remember how to drive the speed limit again. Yeah. Like yeah. where, you know, they're used to, you know, when they drive, they're used to 360 degrees of danger. And like, yeah. they're just like, they're, they're, um, alertness is just like completely off the charts yeah and um they come back and they try to chase that they try to find that same adrenaline yeah um and yeah it's hard to adapt you know so i'm i'm yeah. seeing uh, i get to show well montos gets to show I, I get to help montos show um john stewart in that scenario where he's gone on these crazy intergalactic adventures yeah where you know the stakes are just stupid high and then he comes home and he's like sitting in a red light, just like going crazy. Like, yeah, just, just crawling out of his skin for the light to change yeah. or like moving dirt with a shovel. 
Yeah. You know, when he, he's used to just moving planets around. Um, and we get to see that. We get to see, you know, we get to see John not just as the ex-Marine that we saw him as in, in the cartoon show, but we got yeah. we get to see him as a as a son and a brother and you know, a former service member and mm-hmm. uh, a guy like a a guy with this kind of don't fuck with me kind of chip on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Like the tactician, the engineer, the architect. I just he's such a multifaceted character. He's the guy that to me always always should have been green lantern like we have a we've seen so many green lanterns who are the dark horse pick yeah you know, like you know the ring chooses them sometimes yeah. seemingly by accident sometimes yeah. because he's there or because it sees something in them that we don't see yet and then we yeah. and then they have to kind of show us why the ring chose them yeah john stewart to me was always the obvious choice yeah yeah i mean he had, he checks off everything yeah. right away right more so yeah. than the other green lanterns so. he's just the consummate green lantern and you know montos is showing that in every panel yeah you know i'm so glad that you mentioned that about uh service members and what they go through um while they're serving and then coming back in the world that they have to live in and then you read this and it and obviously i i saw that but from a different perspective but that perspective is the right perspective to see and I hope people hear what you just said, because when they read issue one and I'll read it again, I think you're going to you're going to feel differently about Jon Stewart after reading that. Um, so I appreciate that. That's, that gives me chills. Um, yeah. Incredible, man. Um, Thanks, yeah, that's awesome. Philip. man. Yep. Green Lantern's different. Uh, Jon Stewart's different now. <laughs> issue one for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm very yeah. proud of that character. So he's, he's going to go through some stuff, too. I really hope everyone keeps uh, yeah. stays on board we're sh- showing some crazy stuff. We, um, we have to show a lot about what, about John's character, but also we get to show some real lore, some, yeah. some like hidden lore from the green lantern history that nobody knows about yet that I get to show yeah. now as, as we've established, I just love world building Yeah, and the green lantern core stuff. That's always been the wild west for me. Now I get to kind of flesh out some of that. For sure. For sure. I mean, he's always been my favorite because there is a Superman esque features about John Stewart um you know his humbleness yet if you mess with him right he's he's very quick to take care of it in a very simple yeah. way because of his background um he is a don't fuck with me kind of guy for sure but, yeah uh, but you don't see that aspect of that until he's pushed there's like a right. respectfulness about him until he's pushed but once he's pushed that side does come out as it should in that situation right, right? And so I, I love that stoicness about John Stewart. And even as a kid watching the cartoon, he always was the most mature um, in the cartoon to be able to make decisions. And everyone else there, right? They they all have all kinds of issues, but they don't have that that maturity that John Stewart always brought to the table as a, a member of the Justice League. So, man, I'm so excited for you to flesh this out, especially with your military background. Um, I think that's really important as a writer of this character. And uh, thank man, you, man. Yeah. And thank you for your service, by the way, Philip. Yeah, of course, man. It's an honor. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend, I do hope we could do this again. I really enjoyed it. Really appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was great to meet you, Tommy. Yeah. Likewise. Appreciate you and uh, have a great rest of your week. I'm sure you got a lot to do. (laughs) I do. Thanks, man. (laughs) All right. Talk soon. Thanks again. See ya. Bye. Bye.